Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and Mr. Taylor and I are recording this show on Thursday, August 8th, 2019. And are we of the same mind in regard to the, the Adams Family trailer that just dropped? Or? Uh, I mean, just disbelief, uh, mostly, or what, what, what mindset are you in right now? I I think it was better than the last one. I'm still a little concerned about I don't know if it's the art direction or the rendering. It's it's still it's kind of startling. Um yeah, but, it looks a little unfinished. Yeah. Um, and this thing is coming out like soon, so um on the other hand, I I liked some of the gags. I liked um you know, I I, I don't know. I I want this to work. I really do. I, <laughs> I have to admit, I like some of the individual gags. There was, you know, the one of, you know, they're driving into New Jersey and the state motto is, what are you looking at? Um, you know, I... I but, right. <laughs> but, but to put the Adams Family in suburbia? Um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. just, it, it's very confusing because it's like they're in suburbia, but they're in the same house in suburbia. It just didn't... It didn't make a lot of sense to me, but mm. you know, who knows? We don't have a we don't have a Hotel Transylvania movie to watch this year, so maybe it'll scratch that that itch. Okay. There how we do go. we how do we feel about uh, Snoop Dogg being cousin It? <sighs> I was talking with Alice about this, and she was like, "Well, I like the design. I like the hair and the cane, and you know, I mean, it just and the little hat. You know, it's just sort of like okay, but." Boy, you know, it's always concerning to me when you have to to treat a trailer like a buffet. <laughs> you know, it's just a, well, I like that, and I like that, but right. ooh, you know, it's like it's interesting how these animated movies feel like they have to have like uh, like almost a rapper being part of these animated movies has become its own trope uh, in a way. Mm. Like Tyler the Creator was part of Grinch. We had Pharrell, obviously, a part of the Despicable Me mm-hmm. series. Um, it's kind of interesting in that way that that is kind of a a box they have to check off. Um, I guess you know. I mean, I, I mean, face it. So much of the you know the launching of these movies is the you know okay, who's going to go on Good Morning America? Who's going to go on Kimmel? Who's going to go on Fallon? Just making sure that in that week to 10 days you know running up to the release of the movie you're doing everything to raise its profile and make sure you can get as many people as possible to turn out and i don't know it's just i again i like seeing as many animators as possible employed and big fan of the the original charles adams new yorker cartoons and you know really want this to work but it just again you know, I mean, face it, you and I both know that, that when you put together a trailer, you go through the entire film and try to pull out your strongest elements, the, the stuff that, you know, will really compel, you know, people to come out. And it's just sort of like, and and as you said, we're just weeks out. Um, and, and this was it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. I don't know. I love the Barry Sonnenfeld movies, too, and those feel very cartoony to me yep. mm-hmm. in the best way. Um mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. But I, I forgot to tell you this. I actually talked to Guillermo del Toro earlier this week about scary stories to tell in the dark. Oh, cool! And you okay. know, I had to ask him about Haunted Mansion. 
Uh, and he said, you know, that there were at least two or three scripts that I would have directed, and they just never wanted to greenlight it. And uh, I got him to confirm that Ryan Gosling was going to star in one of those versions. Um, mm-hmm. If I had had more time, I would have asked him about um, Disney Double Dare You, which I still yeah. want to do a, a big feature on before I Halloween. Agree. We should do I that. I agree. You know, it gets kind of ironic because we're coming up on the D23 Expo. And remember, that was where, you know, at the very first Expo, that was what they walked out. You know, the... the our brand new bold initiative, and you know, here we are doing stuff with Guillermo de Toro. And uh. how many executives ago was that, though? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was the Dick Cook era, I believe. That right? was, yeah. that was, and you know, that's still. I mean, again, it still kind of breaks my heart that Dick basically got fired because of you know what he did for that first D twenty three Expo. That you know, he brought all of these celebrities down, but you didn't necessarily allow Disney PR to promote the fact that, you know, what was Travolta and Robin Williams and, and hell, the, the, the appearance of Johnny Depp in full costume as Jack Sparrow on stage, you know, to announce... Uh, Pirates 4, I think? I want to say, yeah. The, yeah. the Stranger Tides. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that they were furious with him because he they felt that he didn't play ball. And next thing you know, he's out the door. So, uh, well, what were you, you going to ask me about uh, Guillermo? Oh, it, was this for his uh, star in Hollywood Boulevard? Or? It was right after he had just gotten a star, and then he walked over to the junket, and we talked for about ten minutes about scary stories. And uh, it's uh, coming out this Friday, so if you want to get a little pre-Halloween goose, you can go go watch that. Um, oh. It's very it's very fun. Uh, but considering you haven't seen Lion King or Toy Story 4 yet... Um, I'm are, are, sorry. Are I you just waiting just, for the DVDs on that one? I, I just... This this is the summer of I don't get out much. All right. That, that will be changing soon. But interesting that you, you brought up, uh, you know, pre-Halloween because... What is it? They, they just started doing the DCA Halloween event, the hard ticket after hours, right? I they mean, they previewed it last week for journalists. I was not invited. I mm-hmm. mean, take that as you will, but um, <laughs> the... Uh, yeah, we're making friends left and right. I, yeah, podcast. right. Um, I think go. that starts in September, but they, okay. they ran the full New World of Color. Um, and then last night and tonight, I think, are the Haunted Mansion after hours event at Disneyland, which for... The low, low price of three hundred dollars. Um, you have access yeah. to the park from one to four in the morning, and they do some like live things. And I don't know. I couldn't justify it. I'm a married man now, Jim. You know, I gotta, no, no, no. I, I gotta I, watch I, my I got, budget. It, you have a, a small, adorable dog to feed. You I know. know I know. I, this is know, not just the toys alone. You know, will we'll eat into that feed. <laughs> I know. I can't. T- I can't t- take kibble out of her mouth. But the big thing was that. Um, your friend and mine, uh, Eric Goldberg, created this new character for the new World of Color Halloween show, yeah, which is sort of interesting. Villainous, yeah, I, I think is the name of it. So what is it? Shelley Marie, who is supposedly a play on Mary Shelley, the author of the, the original Frankenstein. Um, but you and I were, were talking, so we were pre-gaming today, that this is not uh, Eric's first theme park exclusive thing, that... Yeah, I can't believe I got to educate you on one of his very oh. bizarre projects. Oh, well, I, I don't know if educate is quite the word I would <laughs> use. 
All right, please, please explain, because this is going to be an eye-opener for a lot of folks. I think there. so. So in 2015, for the 20th anniversary of um, Food and Wine in, in Epcot, they had uh, Eric create and animate a series of new characters that were sort of that Food and Wine's mascots, and they were different taste buds and they were in commercials and they were on signage in the park and nobody really knew it was him. They didn't really advertise it. I only know because I went to lunch with him one day and he said, you know, by the way, I made these characters that are in the park right now. And that, so, I mean, I think it's okay to talk about now because it's so long ago, but Mm -hmm. um, at another press event when I was with your uh, dear ex-wife, now current co-host, we were sitting there talking to Eric, and he said, oh yeah, I'm doing animation for the Happily Ever After um, projection show, because I guess the hand-drawn animation has to be a little bit reconfigured for projection mapping, so I'm sure he also did one for the, what is the show at, at Hollywood Studios right now? Like, Celebration of Animation, or whatever oh, that show is. A- that's an interesting point. Yeah, um, so I'm sure he had to do some stuff for that, too. But, I mean, he's one of the only people left at Disney doing hand-drawn. I guess in, like, a he's... What is that department called that he's in, Jim? Mm, you know what I'm talking it's, about. It's, like, it's special projects or something. Yeah. You know, it's literally like taking Leonardo da Vinci and making him make sandwiches. I mean, you, you for example... And this has got to be, like, ten years old at this point... Um, did you see like the, the proof of concept thing that he did for Wreck-It Ralph where the, he just hand animated the character, you know, to sort yeah. of prove that, okay, that, that this look and amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. But it just, I, again, I just, I keep hoping, especially on the heels of, of Disney plus that the door will open again for hand drawn. Cause it just seems like. You know, we are so long overdue for, you know, the, that return. I mean, if you go into his office, you'll see a lot of artwork from shorts that he's pitched and were ultimately rejected. And also material from the third Fantasia that he was working on. That he said that he pitched so many ideas for the third Fantasia that they <laughs> that they were calling it internally the Goldberg variations. Because <laughs> he... <laughs> He had so many pitches. Yeah, so Mm. hopefully some of that stuff will see the light of day. Obviously, uh, Fantasia 2000 had been in the works for decades um, before Mm. that was actually produced. But yeah, he's he's Mm. great. He's a great animator and a great great guy. No, I don't. Absolutely. Absolutely. Though, you know, the, the, the weird thing is when he stepped away from Disney and was directing, there were so many projects he was associated with i mean the the curious george movie that didn't get made the where the wild things movie that get made was either of the garfield theatricals was he ever associated with those or? i'm not sure i know he did the looney tunes uh okay. back in action which yeah he, he well, still defends <laughs> to this day, no, no, no. I, I i i understand i understand looney tunes back in action is is worth it alone for the commentary track and the cutscenes. Uh, you know, you, you really get a sense of the movie that was almost there. Oh, really? I'm gonna have to track down the Blu-ray now. Yeah, but 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 speaking of Garfield, what did you make of the the Viacom acquisition this week? Because this this is this is interesting. This isn't Viacom producing 
a new series of, of Garfield cartoons, you know, a new animated series. This is literally Viacom acquiring the character. Yeah, well, you were telling me about the what is what is it the legal kind of ramifications of this? Well, I mean, what's strange, I guess, is that Jim Davis, the creator of of Garfield, has retained the rights to the comic strip, but the it's Viacom going forward now that decides what happens with this character, and I, I can't help but you know look at this and wonder. Um, are, are we kind of in sort of the same territory with what just happened with Apple and Peanuts? You know, the whole notion of, okay, you know, here's a well-known worldwide character uh, that we could potentially do something with. But to have, you know, this these giant corporations grab these sets of characters and then look to, you know, it, is this for shorts that's going to be streamed? Is this for right. feature? You know, I mean, it's just... It, there's a lot of questions out there now. About, yeah, it also reminds yeah. me of Netflix doing the Dr. Seuss stuff, which yeah. we're, we're going to see the first of that, I think, with it by the end of the year. Really? Um, yeah, oh. but um, yeah, I think Green Eggs and Ham is is going to be there by the end of the year. But yeah, I mean, we've have we talked about like Paramount and their animation situation at <sighs> length? Well, I mean... I mean, that could be a whole episode, but... You yeah, and I, I mean, both I know that they've they've tried again and again to try to get this off the ground, and I don't know. I don't know what they're. I don't. I don't think it's for theatrical stuff because I don't think. I don't think Viacom and Paramount are on that good of terms. So I would imagine it's some kind of either for CBS All Access maybe, um, or something along the or for television for terrestrial television something like a SpongeBob Companion or something. But yeah, I, I don't know. What's so strange, and you've got to be getting this sense when you you sit down and talk with people out west. You know, this whole notion of you know everybody sort of looking over their shoulder at the Netflix and the Hulu's and the and again the Disney Pluses and the CBS All Accesses and you know and how it's changing the business model in so many different directions. I mean. You know, I, I I can't help but you know. For example, this week, uh, Cartoon Network is running Infinity Train. It's a five night event, is how they've been promoting it. And uh, Alice and I are six episodes in at this point. And I I, I won't lie that that this Owen Dennis, uh, he's a a writer and a storyboard artist from the regular show. Um, it it started a little wobbly, but it, it's it's definitely growing on me. It's this fascinating piece about a, a girl who was supposed to be going to, I guess, gaming camp. And uh, her parents have divorced and there was a miscommunication and uh, her dad can't take her to Oshkosh. I'm, I forget where it was the gaming conference is supposed to be. And through machinations that are too difficult to describe at this point, she ends up on this giant bizarre train where each train car is a world unto itself and you know you drew especially with your your small but great dog nova uh would love the fact that one of the main characters of this is a a, a, a talking corgi who's the king of corgi land i'm very uh, into that yeah yeah i remember and, he was in the short too right i believe so yeah 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 but again, it's, it's you know, face it, I think we talked in a previous show about how 
this had been pitched uh, or at least talked up as sort of the next, you know, over the garden wall. And it, I, I, I won't lie, it doesn't have that richness uh, that, that over the garden wall did. But, but like I said, it, it, it's grown on me. But, but at the same time, the notion of, okay, so this is a five night event, you know, of, you know, uh, and each night they show two 15 minute long chapters. So, you know, when this thing is done, there, there's going to be two and a half hours of this story told and you know I just when you think about the the Disney deal uh from a week to 10 days ago with a what is it 17 different artists landed deals to produce stuff for for Disney plus well this they is... landed deals to produce for TV animation where ah, that where go. that animation goes mm-hmm. we will we will see but yes I think a good I think all signs point to Disney plus but it's just, it's such a strange time that things just seem so fluid now. And and where something hits or lands or connects. Well, we we were just talking, for example, as we were pre-gaming about the, the short that's going to be in front of Angry Birds 2 when it comes out later this month, uh, Hair Love. Yeah, we're very excited about that. Um, well, I'm... Yeah. I'm, no, it, it it I mean I, I I love the art that's out there to you know I would sit in just for the tutorial about how they actually did the hair. Uh, and what's interesting about that too is that it was an independent short that was acquired by Sony Animation. Mm-hmm. I think it was yeah. like kickstarted and crowdfunded and all that, and then they were like, "We will take this on and put it in front of Angry Birds too, the most commercial title you could think of, right?" Yeah, yeah. Um, but can you talk a little bit about who's who's behind this one? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because it's a combination of people, including one of our favorite animators around, um, Bruce Smith, mm-hmm. who, uh, as we know, and what we will... We will do a. Did we already? We didn't do a Baby's Kids episode yet, did we? No, it, okay. I, I am prepping it. It's, okay. it's, it's a great story, you know, especially when you, you you drill down into the uh, the actual routine. It's based on a trip to Disneyland, so that makes the film that much more fun. But, right. Uh, so but he's yeah, one of the directors, and then mm-hmm. Everett Downing Jr., who was a longtime animator at Pixar, who worked on Up, Wally, Brave, etc. And then a former NFL player uh, named Matthew Cherry, who came up with the story and is co-directing it, which is really cool. Okay, now Angry Birds 2 drops in theaters when? Is that this weekend? It's not this no, weekend. No, August 14th. Okay. Yes. All but right. they, they played it last Saturday as part of an early screening promotion with Target, which you didn't go to because you don't leave the house anymore. I understand that, but... I, um, sorry. Yeah, so. but... <laughs> but we will... We'll, we'll get to see Angry Birds 2 and uh, Hair Love soon, I'm sure, mm-hmm. the both of us, and we'll, we'll talk at length about it. So that was supposed to have the window clear shot, you know, audience all to itself, uh, starting on August 14th. And then coming roughly two weeks later was supposed to be the play Playmobil the movie. Right. Uh, and not anymore. Not anymore. Um so this this you know got pushed all the way back to December sixth, which is <laughs> as you were pointing out again as we we're pre gaming that what, two weeks after Frozen Two? Yeah. So uh, um <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, because again, oh, that that film will be out of gas by then. Absolutely, you know, right, that, that, right. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I'm not sure the thinking. I mean, you and I both have heard the stories about STX being mm-hmm. in trouble, and they've had mm-hmm. to sort of shuffle and, you know, reposition films um, recently. But they've got they've got this new Jennifer Lopez stripper movie coming out called Hustlers, which they think is going to be a big hit. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that'll kind of re-energize them. But one of the reasons they're in such dire straits financially is the Ugly Dolls movie. Which, you know, came out earlier this year, was fully financed by STX and was just a huge bomb. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting how animation is kind of like taken such a large role in STX's future slash, you know, current standing. But I mean, I think we both agree that the Playmobil movie looks cute. Um, uh, oddly enough, was directed by the supervising animator of Frozen. So. <laughs> That'll be an interesting yeah, showdown. I mean, that, that's the other thing. I just, you know, just sort of, that's got to have been a tough conversation that we're, we're, we're going to move it to, to behind Frozen 2. Speaking of, though, of Ugly Dolls, did you see that essay that Kelly Asbury put out? No, oh, on uh, Cartoon a Brew about, about directing back to back bombs? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I. I I, I have to admit, it was it was kind of refreshing to have somebody talk about having that experience because that's honestly the, the hard reality of Hollywood that not everything is going to be a Frozen, you know, a, a billion dollar blockbuster phenomenon. Though in Kelly's case, what was it? Uh, Smurfs: The Lost Village was his, mm-hmm. and I, and I remember I I actually I got to sit down with him at Sony and he walked me through. The original version of the movie, which I guess then from when he and I talked to when it came out, the story changed three and four different times. And, you know, but that's just kind of the way it is when you deal with these corporate properties. Um, what was the you want to tell us about the original version? Well, I mean, you know, the the weird thing is, is it was at that point, it was a time travel story. It was it, literally that they, they traveled back to you know, how the Smurfs were originally and how Gargamel was. And, um, and and there was definitely an intriguing story there. And, and, um, and, and God, the, the, the concept paintings were amazing. And, you know, but again, I, I think, you know, Kelly is, you know, a realist. You know, he, he you know, that's the thing. You, you know, you, you are given the opportunity to direct these films, but at the same time, it's, it's somebody else's toy box you're in, and you know you can, you know you can have a a good solid story, but you know you then have to go to, you know the folks who own the Smurfs, and it's like no, that's that's not the direction we want to go, or, you know same thing with the Ugly Doll folks, and um, I don't know, I just great director. He's a great guy, great director. Yeah, yeah. That post just... has been taken down from Cartoon Brew, by the way. So I hope everyone got a chance to read. <laughs> Really? Before, yeah, yeah. I just oh. look for it. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Well. Okay. All right. What else have we got for for news since we've been away? And again, you know, talking on the corporate side of things here, folks. We saw Fox, uh, and again, this is the new Fox Corporation. What remains of Fox uh, after Disney did its seventy-one point three billion dollar acquisition and. 
walked off with the film library and all sorts of assets, but... Is it so confusing how they re- are referring to these things in the news? Like, I have to read <sighs> every article to, th- to see, is this a Disney Fox thing or a that's new exactly. Fox but, thing? Uh, see, that's... Uh, initially, when I heard that Bento Box was being bought by Fox, and again, Bento Box are the folks who do Bob's Burgers, I said, oh, cool, okay. Yeah. You know, but, you know, it just sort of, okay, so if you know, Bento Box is going to Disney, it's like, no, this is not Bento Box. This is, you know, or this is not Disney. This is the new Fox. New Fox. The new, yeah. newly slimmed down. And uh, the notion, and again, it just, the, 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 what's interesting, if you drill down into the story, you have um, all of this talk about how Fox felt that in its new slimmed down form, it needed an animation studio. And, they they enjoyed you know what Bento Box did. They 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 like, you know how you know. In fact, what's for me what's fascinating is if you look at, you know Bob Sergers it's now run on FX and you can catch a, a season one and line it up against a season nine and and to watch the really smart ways they've stepped up the look of it. Um, you know it's still all of one piece, but there's some wonderful art direction now that 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 keeps the world consistent, but at the same time richer. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm and you know, did... and you know, Bento Box is like a mile, a half a mile away from where I live. It's is right it on, really? yeah, it's right on Lancashire in North Hollywood. It's oh, actually it's in the normal. same building where Disney Interactive used to be. So <laughs> oh, there you go. It all, it's all connected, Jim. Uh, Everything we talk about. Uh, on the other hand, you and I have talked before about the wonderful work that Titmouse does. And um, have you managed to see yet uh, Mau Mau Heroes of Pure Heart over at Cartoon Network? I've seen a little bit of it. As you know, I turn on cartoons when I leave the apartment mm-hmm. for the dog. So I've seen a little bit of it then. Um, but ah. the animation is really beautiful. Oh, and, no. And so fluid. And I love it. Well, it, it, but it's not just that. It has great writing, wonderful character voices. I mean, it, it, Alice and I were binging a bunch of them last night, and it's just, it's it's so smart, it's so fun, it, it, and it hits that, that wonderful Venn diagram where, you know, it's a great show for kids, but at the same time, there's enough smart dialogue and, and great fun character stuff going on that, you know, as an adult sitting there, you know, you can enjoy it as well. But, but again, yeah, they just sort of... If you think about all the stuff that Titmouse does in so many different styles, and and yeah. that's you know that half the fun of this is you know sort of an American spin on anime, and um, it's interesting that that took so long to develop too, because the original pilot aired on March sixth, two thousand fourteen. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah, okay. and then they reworked the pilot, showed another one. Uh, in February of 2017, and now the show is finally here. Mm. But not well, all not all shows are getting a, getting a full commitment, though, as you told me right before we we started, uh, right? Yeah, that that's in fact again, this was kind of a shock today. I mean, right on the heels of their their crossover episode with Sonic, right? Yeah. Uh, Okay, KO. You know, uh, just revealed today that they're, they're ending their run after three seasons. And um, again, you know, a, a, a wonderfully written show, great style. Um, but you know, just I, I, 
so many so many things lately seem to be doing the three and done for some reason it's just sort of I, you know, it used to be the magic number was what sixty five episodes or yeah, I think yeah, sixty five or sixty six, so that you could mm-hmm. run each one every. There day. you go. Yeah, and but uh, the, well, I mean, it'll, it'll end with one hundred and one episodes, but those are fifteen minute episodes. Well, there we go. Right there we so, go. Yeah, it's gonna be. So I really like that show too. Um, it's very charming. It's got a great animation style, like you said. Mm-hmm. And theme song by our our favorite Rebecca Sugar wrote there that. You go. Um, yeah, well, it's, and, it's sad. Uh, the show show creator just today put out this message: "Please don't spread the rumor that it was my choice to end OK KO Let's Be Heroes. It wasn't. However, Cartoon Network gave the, us the bad news early enough that we we're able to spend this season doing our planned ending. I'm proud of what we're making and can't wait for you to see it. So." I all right, you know, I'm, I, I I guess you know you, you got to take the you know the good with the bad. At least they're, they're going out the way they wanted in the story. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the number of episodes, it it became it maybe it was less of a shock than we thought it was because they went from they did fifty three episodes for the first season in less than a year, oh. and then the second season was thirty eight episodes again, an insane amount of episodes, a little over a year. And then the third season, 20 episodes. So maybe the writing was on the wall, but it doesn't make it any less sad. I guess so. But it's just, you know, it's so often when, you know, you, you, you get to visit these studios and you walk into the office with that flow chart showing what show is at what point in, you know, the, the, its production phase and see that it's, you know, that, that, that kind of air traffic controller to O'Hare moment where it's like, you know, 20 different episodes in production at any one time at, you know, various different stages of, of completion. And, you know, again, you, you get why uh, a Rebecca Sugar or, you know, that sort of thing was like, I have to step away. I, you know, it's lovely to get the chance to create this stuff, but, you know, you want to actually also have a life. Yeah. I mean, you hear those stories about Alex Hirsch, like, living in his office and things like that it's like yeah these things take a toll yeah i guess they do i guess they do speaking of which though when drew and i get back from this commercial break we're going to talk about a disney film that you wouldn't necessarily think was you know or difficult or a trial to make but really uh turned out to be a bear it's kind of ironic because the film features a deer anyway uh, we're back. Let's talk about Bambi Drew because today, uh, today, uh, the the day this podcast goes live, which what is it? The thirteenth, right? The thirteenth of two thousand nineteen. Okay, so on this day back in nineteen forty two, Bambi had its premiere at in New York City, which kind of ironic because I. I, this I don't understand. The, the film four days earlier had its premiere in London, which, you know, again, this is the middle of World War II, and it's just sort of like, really? You're, you're going to go over to the place that's being bombed? And, <laughs> like, do your premiere there? Okay, that's, that's interesting. Um, anyway, on the heels of this anniversary, I did some drilling down into the story of Bambi and uh, particularly the Disney version and there's you know I mean, it's in, in a weird sort of way it's it's this great story of of 
hubris on 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 Walt's part, because okay, so uh, picture this true. It's April of 1937. Uh, Snow White is like six months out, uh, eight months out from its 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 Hollywood premiere in December. And Walt is is just now kind of flashing on the point, like, well, holy cow, we're going to finish this, and we're going to actually do more of these these feature length projects, and we should really maybe be looking around for other stuff to make movies based on. And um, he, you know, the the uh, Felix Salton's book Bambi: A Life in the Woods is brought to his attention. Now that this was initially published. Uh, back in in Austria, back in 1923, uh, and it took five years before there was a, a, a an English translation. Uh, Simon and Schuster released it in 1928, and even then, you know, just it kind of hung out there. Nobody approached the project until uh, 1933, where MGM uh, snaps up the film rights. Uh, but, you know, and they try for a, a number of years to see if they can maybe do it as a live action film. And <laughs> but it turns out, you know, you know, live action deer don't take direction. Right. Uh, you know, and so, you know, other than perhaps to eat the flowers in your yard. So, you know, so it was one of these things where they were anxious to, to sort of uh, just get rid of the project. And so... You know, Walt reached out to MGM and said, hey, would you be interested in selling us the rights? And MGM at that point is sort of looking over its shoulder and it's like, yeah, last year, 36, well, that, that's, um, that's when the Nazis decided that this was a book that they were going to ban because supposedly, you know, Hitler thought of Bambi as an allegory for how the Jews were treated in Europe. Seriously, that this was evidently the thinking at the time. Uh, and so they're like, oh, sure, yes, absolutely, Walt. You want to buy this book? Go right ahead. And you know, so Walt comes through the door and say, hey, look what I got for our second film after Snow White. We did, it's Bambi. I got Life in the Woods. And the animators are like, what? And he says, no, don't worry about it. Think about it. We've already done Deer. I mean, you know, look, in Snow White, her little forest friends will just take everything we learned from doing the cute little fuzzy peak, you know, animals who come through the door and wash the dishes and sweep the floor and we'll use them, you know, as our template to, to make this next movie. And, you know, and all the guys are just trying to get Snow White done at this time. And they're like, uh, okay, well, whatever. Uh, and so... You know, and, and meanwhile, he's looking around for the second film and, you know, or a film to follow Bambi. And September of 1937, Norm Ferguson uh, brings in a translated version of Carlo Collati's The Adventures of Pinocchio. And he shows it to Walt. And Walt, you know, but the weird thing is Walt initially looks at Pinocchio and goes, oh, I know what we can do with this. That This is, you know, we're going to do Pinocchio as if, He's Charlie McCarthy. Um, really? A wise, cracking, talking puppet in the style of Edgar Bergen's ventriloquist dummy. I mean, seriously, that's... If, if, you know, if you ever get into back into the, uh, the ARL, the Animation Research Library, the early, early, early stuff for, for Pinocchio 
where it was kind of, you know, I mean, because face it, in the original book, he is kind of a smart-ass, obnoxious character. Um, they were looking for doing a much more lighthearted, show-busy kind of a story. That's really interesting. Yeah. I, 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 again, it's it's always... It's it's where they started, not necessarily the film that they they wanted to, you know, uh, the, or the film they they eventually wound up making. Anyway, uh, Snow White opens uh, December of thirty seven, goes wide, you know, or goes into its nationwide release in February of nineteen thirty eight, and at this point, Disney is still talking up Bambi, as it's going to be released to theaters. Just 16 months later, it's going to be out in theaters in June of 1939, which as they begin to actually take a look at the book. Um, and now I know, I think on, on a previous show, we talked about how dark and strange the Fox and the Hound got, you know, the original storyline for the, you know, the, the, the Disney feature from, what was it, 83, 84? Right. Um, but Pambi, oh my God, there are there are some things in the original story of Bambi that I, you know, for example, you know how um, Bambi eventually, uh, you know, his mate at the end of the film, Feline. Did you know that that Feline, at least in the original book, had a brother called Gobo? <laughs> no. Uh, oh, oh, this. All right. At, at one point in the book, you know, men enter the forest and they kill. And in fact, as part of the scene where Bambi's mom is killed, Gobo disappears and is presumed dead. Um, he eventually comes back. It turns out he was saved by a man uh, and who, who brought him home and tamed him. And so... He, Gobo is like, no, 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 men are great. I really, you know, this is, this is, you know, I, I enjoyed my time with them. They fed me and they, they gave me this wonderful harness to wear. And, you know, and so later in the story, when Gobo sees that men are back in the forest, he then approaches the men because he thinks of all men as family and, or, or friendly and, and they then cut him down. Um, so, oh, you know, wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, you know, just, oh, there are so many scenes where you read this thing. And it's like, you know, for example, at one point, Bambi gets shot. And the prince of the forest, his dad, finds him and then teaches him to walk in a circle. So that way, they confuses the hunter and his dogs. And more to the point, it gives him time who, you know, so till the bleeding stops so that he, you know, can then recover. But, oh, you know, that, and there's the one moment where, you know, the old prince brings, you know, Bambi to, they, they discover the corpse of a man who's been killed by another hunter. Uh, and, you know, just to the effect of, you know, it just look, they're, they're not all powerful. They actually, you know, will take each other out. And it just, it has so many of these dark, weird twist to it that you know what's interesting is if you go to the authorized disney histories you know what they talk about is why bambi was delayed from uh june of uh, 1939 to all the way to august of 42 uh was like oh we were trying to do our best possible 
you know, you know, anatomically correct animals. And, you know, the hard reality was that that it, it was a lot of this story stuff. It was that that Bambi, when you got right down to it, was so dark and so weird. Um, in fact, finally, they got to the point where, OK, we, we think we figured out the story. So but this is now July of, of 1940. And, you know, uh, just a few months before Pinocchio arrives in theaters. And, and it, you know, obviously they, they switched the batting order up. But even as it, it went into production, uh, it's now the War Years when, you know, the, 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 the studio really has no money. And in order to get Bambi in workable shape that they have enough money to, you know, to, to finally make this movie... You know, Walt is basically told it's like, look, you got to lose twelve minutes. You know, you got to right. cut the cut this thing down. And what's interesting is that you know, so the end runtime for Bambi is is seventy minutes. Now, when you compare that to Snow White, which was eighty two minutes, and Pinocchio, which was eighty eight, I want to say Bambi is the second shortest. In, in I think Dumbo at sixty four minutes is is the shortest. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff that, that, that got thrown out. And there was a, a musical number called Twitterpated. Uh, there was a, a grasshopper character that got uh, chopped out that they fed a lot of the lines to Friend Owl with. And the interesting thing is that one of the cuts, uh, a, a relatively short cut, but I've, ac I've actually seen the art for this. You know how again, everyone talks about how sophisticated what a sophisticated story cho choice it was that Bambi's mom gets killed off camera. Um, right. They boarded it, Drew. Oh, I've seen that, where oh. they, like, have a conversation as she's dying. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, and it's just sort of like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just sort of like, have we traumatized the children in the audience enough? <laughs> no. Let's... <laughs> Let's let mom talk as she dies. You yeah. Know? Um, so, uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just, for me, um, you know, it just, uh, face it, you know, it's 70 plus years after the fact. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, when you look at example, you know, for one, you know, so much of the the wonderful work that he did on the project, uh, you know, the stylization. I mean, it, it's, it, don't get me wrong. It, it It's a good, solid piece of work. But at the same time, when you take into consideration, you know, that, you know, just where Walt started from, like, oh, we got this. We've already done animals. And and, and if you think back to the, the cute little squirrels and bunnies that, you know, clean dishes and, you know, you know, swept floors and that sort of thing, you know, they could have never carried a movie. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean. The other thing I wanted to say was that everyone should look up that um, PBS special about Tyrus Wong. Do you there remember we go. that from a couple years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely beautiful documentary about uh, one of the key concept artists for Bambi. Mm -hmm. um, his watercolors really inspired the movie if they weren't used directly. But he is an absolutely legendary artist. And that documentary I thought was just so sweet. And so uh, moving. I just thought it was it was terrific. You you saw that right? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it just it, you know that that if you've never wanted to make a kite after you see this thing, you know, you just you know, I, the, man, I, uh, what I know. would give for one of those kites. I mean, oh, yeah. it's amazing. 
But no, I just, I, I, I don't know. It's just, for me, it's just, it's just fascinating, you know, how Walt decided what we're going to be, you know, that the, the, you know, the, the, the films that Disney was going to go, you know, going forward. And, you know, during, I think about it, during this same period, he, he makes the arrangements to get his hands on, uh, you know, cuts the deal with the, the hospital in London to get Peter Pan, he, you know, and uh, likewise Alice. And there's all this amazing concept art that's done during this period. But, uh, but at the same time, the war starts up and there's no money and, you know, how many of them get pushed off. And, you know, you got to wonder, you know, what would a Bambi have looked like if, like with... Um, Peter Pan or, or Alice in Wonderland, they've been pushed off by, by almost 10 years of thereabouts. I mean, you kind of hope that, you know, all that amazing work that, you know, Tyrus did would have stayed in the film. But, but you know, if you, you look at those, those latter features and how, you know, Walt just sort of embraced what Mary Blair was doing and, you know, how, you know, you know her, what she painted, you know, the way she drew drove the look of those movies yeah it's really interesting and especially when you read the neil gabler bio just how that schedule was being shifted all the time and oh yeah you know yeah it it was really interesting what his the pre-war and post-war studio looked like Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but yeah bambi bambi's still great also when i was in my mother's stomach uh Mm -hmm. she called me thumper because i kicked so much so (laughs) There's my connection to Bambi. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> a, 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 another unlikely story. I, 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 oh, this is God. what you only get with me, Jim. All there right? we you're go. Not hearing, you're not hearing true. Dan Z talk about his, you know, prenatal existence. You know, it's only me doing okay. that. Uh, that's that's. I, I, I was lucky enough to meet your mom. Uh, you know, <laughs> yes. uh, this past December. Uh, at that you and Katie's uh, you know engagement party and God she was such a kick yeah so. she's a pip she's a pip uh, so. <laughs> all right well anyway folks that brings us to the tail end of another fine tuning here uh, Drew if people are, are given enjoyed the stories you tell here where else can they find you online well you can you know find me on movie phone every day you can listen to light the fuse the mission impossible podcast which is still going strong um, you can also listen to my episode of the collider podcast where I talk about how John Carter was originally a Pixar film um, it's a it's a very interesting hour uh, long conversation there I'm sure Jim you would appreciate it I'll send you a link and cool. uh, yeah, that's about it. But hey, here we go. Here comes the Jim Hill podcast roll. Okay, go. let's see. Well, we got Disney Dish with Lentesta. We got uh, Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. We got Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z. Uh, we got uh, Marvel Us Disney with the amazing Aaron Adams. And recording tomorrow. Okay, I swear to God, is I want that with Michelle Valladolid. In fact, we were just looking at a pile of wishables uh which is these new so stupid those are so stupid (laughs) (laughs) blind blind bag i hope you guys go through all the haunted mansion stuff this week i i there's so much stuff i know but see that's the problem i just i uh, i uh, these events that are, are are driven by merch i i have to admit i'm just 
I, you know, there, there are people who do some amazing work and there's lovely individual pieces, but it, it just, it, you know, especially what we talked about at the top of the show, a $300 price point, And that's just to get in the door. Yeah. You know, and, and then you have to buy the merch. Yeah. Um, well, sorry. I mean, I think the only question our listeners are wanting before we go is, did you finish Stranger Things? Yes, yes, okay. yes. You know, in fact, do you think they're going to go for four? Uh, um, yeah, I think they're going to go for, I think four will be it, though. Okay. Yeah, I saw um, a rumor that it's going to take place in uh, at Christmas 1986. That that'll oh. be the setting of the next one. But I thought this third season was the best. Yeah, I don't know how you felt. Well, you know, it just I have to admit, you know, that that I I I think we've we've talked about this that when you're enjoying something, you're willing to to forgive a multitude of sins and you know, it it's like the literally people's lives are at stake, but let's let's for 3 minutes let's do the never-ending story theme song. <laughs> You gotta admit, that was pretty cute, though. It was pretty cute, but at the same time, it's sort of like, you know, Winona Ryder in a a Russian, you know, soldier's uniform, you know, stretching her arms out, trying to turn two keys at the exact same time, and it's just sort of like, okay, all right, you know, you know, if (laughs) if if I could forgive Indiana Jones on the outside of a submarine crossing an entire ocean, I I can overlook this. Right. You know, it just, it was... It was so much fun. It was so well done. But again, and and having grown up, you know, or excuse me, I, 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 I was an adult, fully upright, uh, in the 1980s. God, they got so much of it right. That mall was so <laughs> scary. Oh my god! Uh, just, uh, you were you were happy to see it destroyed by a giant monster. There we go. That's yeah. it exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, well, but all right, Christmas '86. Okay. Yeah. That That's the potential. rumor. That's the rumor. Okay. Well, all right. Let's hope that pans out. And, you know, maybe we'll have more info by the time we record a new show. But uh, until then, folks, thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon.